Hi, my name is Dr. Julie, and I'm a doctor of psychology and a licensed clinical social worker specializing in cognitive behavioral therapy. And welcome to my CBT podcast. I'm here to help you bring the power of CBT into your own life. So I'm pretty excited about my topic today. And as I was making notes and doing some research, I actually received an email that was spot on from one of my listeners. So again, I really appreciate you guys writing in. I read, I respond. Uh, I love your different ideas that you give me. And I got permission to read some of the email. And I wanted to start off with that before we delve into the topic. So it says, Dear Dr. Julie, I listened to your boundaries episode and heard you mention that boundaries are about caring for yourself within the context of relationships. I've had a fairly porous boundaries, but I'm working on this area. I have a strong mom who tends to be bossy and a dad who pretty much follows her lead and really sticks up for or asserts herself himself. My mom can be overbearing and lack self-awareness, but I know she sees herself as a sweet, loving, kind person. My partner has had issues with my mom's behavior and the fallout has become a source of tension for us. My partner has asked me to be protective of her, stand up to my mom and set boundaries. She went on to share an example of a situation that happened when her mom was rude to her partner. She didn't apologize. And her partner's greatest injury was that neither her or her father addressed the moment and was not even appalled by it as she was. And instead, they explained and excused the behavior, saying it was just how her mom is. She said she's tried to repair things, but she knows that there's still some issues lingering. I want to be there for my partner, but I'm just not sure how to proceed. She went on to ask one question that whether taking on her mom's problematic behavior on behalf of her partner is really a matter of boundary setting. Another is how much care and compassion is showed towards her mom as she tries to make her aware and call her out on things. She feels like she's going to hurt her feelings and she'll probably get defensive. And she's wondering how to walk through this difficult situation. Then she went and asked me for some guidance or suggestions and resources to look into what would be helpful and would be greatly appreciated. And then to thank you. So this was perfect because, like I said, I was writing my notes and talking about family enmeshment because I had another viewer send me an email asking me to do that as well. <laughs> so obviously we know this is a big issue. So let me first start off by having you ask yourself a question, which is, am I involved in my life or other people's lives? And if your answer is that you're involved in other people's lives and not your own, you probably have enmeshment. Having enmeshment means that you have no boundaries in your life. And it's a really hard behavior to decipher at times because a lot of times it's all you know if you've been raised in a family where there's a lot of enmeshment. It can be really toxic at times too. So I'm going to educate you a little bit more on what the family enmeshment is and then we'll talk about how you can use your CBT tools to make changes and help. So another question you can ask yourself is to say, you know, where do you end and they begin? And sometimes there's a lot of gray there and people don't even know where to start with that. So a trait of family dysfunction involves really poorly defined or even non-existent boundaries. There are unhealthy relationship patterns and there's this lack of independence among the family members. Children who grew up in a mesh families often carry similar patterns forward into adulthood 
And a lot of times they're unaware that the cycle is even perpetuating itself. Because like I said, a minute ago, it's all they know. And they don't even understand that it's a problem. So enmeshed parents struggle to let go of their children. And they may also make decisions for them, which can create feelings of anger, resentment, and guilt in the child in the long run, right? Because they don't have their own autonomy. And family members are like fused together by unhealthy emotions. And enmeshment is usually rooted in some kind of trauma or illness. So a parent may have an addiction or mental illness that others end up stepping in and like taking care of them. And it's too, you know, enmeshed there. It's not the the typical roles of parent-child. And a child may have a chronic illness. So then there's a lot of care that goes on, right? And the parent may have to make a lot of decisions. And the parent may have to be really on top of treatment, especially when the child's little. So it becomes enmeshed. But obviously, it sounds like, well, of course, a parent's going to help your child if you're ill. That's normal. That's good parenting. (laughs) But to still allow that child to be an individual and to let them make some own decisions when they can and to individuate, right, is really the goal. So, again, it's not easy. It's not black and white, right? But the enmeshment is when it's just too entangled. And, again, you don't even know kind of where you, you end and they begin, And you just don't set boundaries in your life and you let people just kind of do whatever, say whatever. Just like that email was such a great example, right? That here's this mom that tends to be rude, right? And makes comments and then people just make excuses. And you have somebody come into your life that's like, what? Like, no, that's not okay. I'm not going to sit here and put up with your mom's bad behavior because that's your pattern with her. Like, that's not okay. And just saying that somebody's a certain way, you know, we've all heard somebody say, well, that's just how the, how they are. No, I don't, I, that, I'd have a boundary with that. I'm not going to, so if that's just how they are, that means I have to put up or settle with their bad behavior. No, and I wouldn't suggest anybody else to do that, right? So that's where we have to start understanding when it turns into this enmeshment and really unhealthy. Because there's a lack of boundaries and roles and expectations, they're all confused, right? What is what? And parents will be overly and inappropriately reliant on their children for support. Children aren't allowed to become emotionally independent from their parents, and they often lose their sense of identity as they grow up, right? Because their individuality is not valued because this parent is wanting them to be enmeshed and to be as one So there's a lot of consequences that can come from this that you can only imagine, right? There's a lot of mental health issues, such as personality disorders, low self-esteem due to that lack of identity, and years of being cut down by a possessive family member, right? Being cut down, meaning like you may have a suggestion or want to do something or have an idea. Oh, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. Oh, that won't be good for you. Oh, let's do it my way. Okay, okay, okay. And they're convincing you that their way is the right way because they love you and they're coming from a good place. But... It really isn't. So the children end up having low levels of autonomy or independence and high levels of inappropriate intimacy. You know, that's where a parent's telling a kid too much. You know, it, you got to understand what the difference is being close with your kids, maybe sharing fun stories in the past or things that happened to you. But you have to understand, you know, you don't have to tell your children everything and children don't want to know everything. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean oh, we're super close because I tell each other everything. It's like what's appropriate Right. It's, it's your job as the adult to manage your own anxiety, your issues, not to put that on your child and then have them give you support. 
that's being enmeshed. Again, that's where we don't know who starts where, who's supporting who, the roles get all blurred. So when a parent's oversharing about their adult problems and they want the child to validate their feelings, that's enmeshment. In volatile homes, right, maybe domestic violence is going on, uh, drug abuse, whatever may be going on, the child may feel like they need to protect the parent and they end up having unhealthy loyalty to that parent and the parent allows the child to protect them. You know, like maybe, like, oh, go talk to your dad. He'll, he'll listen to you. Maybe if you talk to him, he'll stop hitting me or things, you know, and it's all of a sudden like, oh, my God, now I'm this adult that's having to try to stop this violent person so my mother can't protect me or vice versa, whatever the situation, what's going on in the house, right? That, you know, or a sibling might be, you know, violent towards the parents and they're putting it on you. That's that enmeshment. Like it's not healthy. It's inappropriate. And the child's job is not to protect the parent. And if a parent notices that, a healthy parent's going to be like, no, 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 I appreciate you wanting to help me, but I'm the adult here. I'm going to handle it, and you're going to be okay, and I'm going to take care of you. That's, that's the response that you would want to have, even in the worst-case scenarios. So the relationship obviously becomes really entangled, you know, and the parent ends up exploiting the relationship, which is really manipulative, right? And they, they exploit it by the parents inappropriately relying on the child to meet their emotional needs, right? So, it, so what's going to happen, you know, the kid's going to feel confused and then it ends up creating a lot of really negative core beliefs, right? Core beliefs of the child thinking they're unloved, feeling abandoned, you know, unworthy of care. So I'll talk to you at the end about other podcasts I've done that address some of the issues we're talking about here. But, you know, core beliefs are developed you know, through traumatic experiences that could be long-term or it could be a one-time issue. But being in an enmeshed family, it's going to be long-term that this is going on and on and on. And then the child ends up developing these core beliefs, which is going to, you know, affect the rest of their lives until they get help. So I know I've talked a lot about parent-child here, but let me expand on this a little bit. So again, enmeshment happens when two people are over-involved with each other on an emotional level. Right? And one or both of the people may feel responsible for the other's emotions and may struggle to even recognize their own feelings. So this can happen within a marriage, any committed relationship, right? So a husband and wife, it might look very loving, like, oh, they're so connected, but they really can't move on without each other. They're so focused on each other's feelings that they don't even know their own. If you don't know your own feelings, how are you going to set boundaries for yourself and know what's healthy? So this can happen in in many different relationships. I know I'm going to give a lot of examples of parent-child because I'm really talking about enmeshed families, but it can also be enmeshed relationships. So if you're like, well, I think things were okay here, but I can see this relationship I'm in isn't good. You know, just letting you know, like, that is, could be what's going on. And again, if you can ask yourself, do I have boundaries in my life with others or those that I need to have boundaries with. And if you don't, you're probably enmeshed with others. So that's like a starting point. And again, it's very difficult to make changes on your own and recognize this. I mean, this is one of those issues that I really would recommend some therapy because first your therapist can help you even explain what's going on. Um, Just going back to the example I gave when 
a child is protecting a parent, you know, you can rationalize all day that, of course, I had to protect my parent, right? Or, you know, I was the only one that my other parent would listen to or I could handle the situation, right? So it's very hard to be like, what? What was I not going to protect my parent? So walking through all this with a therapist is going to be very important to start understanding, you know, it's again, not black and white. It's not that, you know, to never step in and help, obviously, if someone's being hurt. But if this is the pattern and the parent relied on you to protect them and told you intimate information about maybe your parents' marriage or things in their life that was not appropriate, you know, that's when it's a problem. Okay, so having a therapist, a professional walk you through this and be able to say, what's normal, what isn't, what's healthy, what isn't healthy, then you can start to kind of figure things out and understand where can I go forward so I can make some changes and start creating some boundaries in my life. So I know you've used the word boundaries a lot already in this podcast and you're going to keep hearing them from me, but that is definitely the place to start, right? So what's a boundary, right? A boundary is having limits within your relationship, A boundary is, I will accept this behavior, I'm not going to accept this behavior, right? It starts with communicating your needs. So you might say to somebody, when you feel strong enough and you're clear enough on what you do need, it might be, for example, you know, I need you to respect my decisions, or I need space to pursue my own goals. Because if you grew up in an enmeshed family, you're going to need to develop your own identity and then be able to say, okay, what are the decisions I'm going to make for myself? What are my goals? You know, the good news is healing, like most everything out there, is definitely possible with good support and making different choices and learning new ways of approaching boundaries in all of your future relationships. So you can definitely heal and make really healthy choices. But you're going to have to get to that place where like this does not work for me anymore, right? Like my email that I read to you guys, you know, now it's affecting the relationship and I don't know if that relationship will survive if changes aren't made, you know? Another term I get, if, you know, we've used, um, you know, like a mama's boy. There's another example, right? You get into a relationship with someone who is, you know, quote, what's a mama's boy is, you know, they're always going to their mom for advice. They let their mom tell them what to do. So they're, it's a, you know, you're a grown man, for example, right? You're like, oh, well, we're going to do it this way because that's what my mom suggested. You know, or, you know, they, you always have, you know, your mom in your life somehow or over at the house and your partner comes home and thinking, oh, I just want a nice night with my partner tonight. I'm like, oh, there's the parent again or there's the family member. Like they're just always involved, always involved. And there's no boundaries to say, hey, me and my partner are just going to have time together tonight and to make that OK. You know, the parent will make you feel guilty and you end up feeling like there's a third person in the relationship. So if there is a third, that's a problem, too. That's a way for you to say yeah, they're not supposed to be a third person in this relationship. <laughs> that's not where we're choosing, right? So that's an example. And I've known relationships where there's been that dynamic of a mama's boy. And, you know, it'll make or break a relationship for sure. For sure. So that's an example of like you growing up with an enmeshed family. You don't realize it. You go and get to a new relationship. That whole family, you guys are all still enmeshed. And everybody thinks we're just loving each other. Until somebody else comes in and says, this isn't okay. I'm not okay with that. I have boundaries. You don't. We're going to have to work on this or it's not going to last. So just being frank, <laughs> right? So so what is, what is healthiness? What is closeness? So closeness in a family is emotional intimacy and caring 
with healthy boundaries, right? And again, healthy boundaries are limits we set with others to let others know what type of behaviors we're willing to accept and what we're not willing to accept. And if you've never set boundaries, I mean, I, I'm feeling it for you. I have a lot of empathy. Like, it is not easy. It's scary, right? And why is it scary? Because others aren't going to like it. The people you're enmeshed with are going to push back. They're going to be angry. They're going to make you feel guilty. Don't you love me? We always do it this way. You're going to let this new person come in your life and get in the way? Like, what does that say about us? I'm your mother. I'm your mother, (laughs) right? So you have to really be clear and steadfast and really create that identity and that self-worth that I can still love my parent and I can still have a healthy relationship. So again, if you've never set boundaries for yourself, I'm asking you to be patient and give yourself some grace and just taking some baby steps at the beginning, right? some baby steps where you say, okay, we're can, you know, maybe a baby step is just saying, hey, this relationship really isn't healthy for me anymore. And this is how I see it. And I need to make some changes. I still love you, but I'm working on things. And we're going to have to take it kind of, you know, one step at a time. That might be your first boundary is just letting them know you're working on this. Again, it's going to be tough. And I, I talk about in my podcast, you guys can listen to on boundaries, is that you have to be prepared that people are going to push back. Because when you have an enmeshed relationship, that other person most likely likes it and benefits from it. So when you start setting boundaries, they're going to push back. And that you have to be ready for and not to give in. Because I think the most important thing with setting boundaries is to be consistent. Be consistent, right? As soon as you give in, you just lost that boundary. You're going to have to start all over again. They're not going to be, oh, yeah, you know, she had this boundary for a while and then she kind of stopped. So if I keep pushing, I make her feel guilty, you know, she'll probably change things, right? That it's really important to stay steadfast. So you have to really be ready. And that's why I think getting professional help and coming up with a plan and, you know, role playing with your therapist and making it comfortable and and your therapist can bring up all these, you know, um, possible things that the other person will say. So, you know, what if they say this? What if they say that? You can role play with your therapist and really have a plan of action. And remember what I know mentioned earlier as well, that you might not even know the difference and thought that you were just really close, right? But you got to remember that true intimacy, true closeness allows you to be your true self, not giving in to somebody else. And boundaries are about freely making choices about your life, your life. So a couple steps, and then I'm going to get a little more specific with some CBT, is what are some steps to get started? So one is to obviously set boundaries. Number Another one is you really got to work through your issues of guilt. Because like I said, guilt is going to be a huge factor here, probably from the other side and even from your side, because you're thinking maybe you're not being loyal anymore and, um, you're going to feel probably very confused. So working through your feelings of guilt. If you're working with the Mind Over Mood book, chapter 15 is on anger, guilt, and shame. That's a good chapter. I also do have a podcast on guilt you can listen to. Another step is recognizing your own autonomy. What does that look like for you to be autonomous, to be feeling good about the choices you're making, feeling positive about yourself, knowing you're making the right decisions, even if other people aren't going to like them. Another step is to start communicating your needs, 
like my example I gave earlier about, you know, that I need some space to pursue my own goals. That's a need. I need you to respect my decisions. That's a need. You know, so what are your needs? Um, not to maybe say to the parent, you know, if they call, you know, a couple times a day, I need you to maybe just call me once a day at this point. I need you to let me know before you just stop in. I need you to respect the relationship I'm in now. So that's communicating your needs. You also want to work on developing your identity. You know, who, who am I? I've always been their daughter, right? Or maybe I've always been their husband or their wife, their partner. Like, who am I? And so you want to figure that out, work through that. Um, again, I'm going to talk about my CBT stuff in a second because that will really help with working on that goal. And then another one is, which I've said already, is just getting support. So not just through a therapist, right, but through friends, uh, other family members that might feel the same way, have experienced this relationship, um, and see if they can give you support. In this particular email, she shared that her dad wasn't going to give her support, and he just kind of goes along probably to keep the peace, is my guess. So that's not a person she can go to. But if there's siblings, if there's aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, other people have some good insight, and they would be like, oh, yeah, I've always seen your mom like that. I didn't know what to do. I just try to be there for you. You know, that kind of thing. So they could be the people to talk to, to get support and have others, you know, um, you know, acknowledge that what you're saying is true and they understand, you know, what you're going through. So I hope so far you're understanding what is a measurement, what does it look like, right? And now, as always, we need to have some tools to make some changes. So I just shared with you guys a bunch of steps you can get started. And let's go back to the thought record. Right, because that's a great tool to always use to be able to understand what's going on and understanding the behaviors. You know, I always accentuate to everyone it's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not just cognitive therapy, the kind that I do at least, CBT. Right? So there's a lot of behavior changes going on here when we want to start changing the relationships. So we want to be clear on what it is, which is our thoughts, right? And then what am I going to do? And a lot of times we can change behaviors quicker than thoughts, right? So behavior might be, to, if you say to, I'm just going to use it, make it simple for us here. Let's say it's a ch child and mother relationship. If you say to your mom, the behavior is that I need you to just start calling, you know, once a day. I need you to let me know when you want to come over. So that's just a quick behavior change. You can do that pretty quick if you're ready. If you're not even, even clear on how to handle everything yet. So if you feel like I got to do something today because it's really affecting my life, that's some place, you know, those are some steps you can start taking. But if we do a thought record, we would first look at what's the situation, right? So let's just use this email as an example. So here's this, you know, the family's over. The mom says something rude to her partner. Everyone just kind of, you know, ignores it and doesn't say anything. There's a situation, right? So... The person that wrote the email, this is the child, not to confuse you guys, so this is the child, and she, you know, is feeling hurt, scared, frustrated, confused, anxious, maybe even overwhelmed, right? Lots of moods going on. And then we want to say, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to just assume what her thoughts are here, okay? So her thoughts will be like, I don't even know where to start. My mother will never change. I can't really do anything about this. I'm not sure how to support my partner. I'm scared it's going to ruin the relationship. I don't think I can handle the stress. 
what if my mom decides not to talk to me and my father doesn't support me? Does that mean I'm not going to have a family anymore? Do I have to pick one over the other? Right? So these are all the questions. If you're using Mind Over Mood book, in column three, where you write down your thoughts, there's like seven, eight questions. And I'm basically answering these questions. So this helps you really get down to those automatic thoughts and identify the hot thoughts. Most of them, I just said to you right now, are hot. I think they all are hot, actually. Right? They're not 100% true. But they're really fueling these strong emotions that she's going to be having, really having to address this for the first time in her life. And without telling her age, she is a senior, I would say, citizen. <laughs> so you can. So this is her whole life, whole life. This is like part of her DNA dealing with her mom. So of course she's going to have all these scary thoughts and being scared on how to you know handle it. So we can identify the hot thought is. My mom will never change. That's a good one, right? So what's the evidence for that? She's always been this way. This is just the way she is. She doesn't listen to any other person's feedback. That's true. But the evidence that doesn't support that thought that she'll never change is I've never addressed this with her. I've never set boundaries with her. I've never explained to her how her behavior affects me and how it's not working for me anymore. I think there's evidence, too, that the relationship is close enough and important enough that if she's consistent, her mom will work with what she needs because she's not going to want to lose the relationship. Right. So what would be a more balanced alternative thought, you know, is that although my mom's always been this way, I've never even addressed this with her. And if I can work this through with her and let her still know I love her, but I need to have boundaries in my life, most likely we can work things out. So there's your thought record, right? There's your new alternative thought. We don't know if it's 100% true because now the behavior changes have to come in, right? And the behavior changes in this situation are boundaries. So I know all of this can sound pretty overwhelming, especially if it's been going on for all of your life, most of your life, if you've just identified it. So again, let's just take small steps. Identifying it is a step. Deciding if you want to address it is a step. And what's that going to look like? And boundaries change, right? They're not, um, you know, set in stone once you start them. Some might be. But again, they change where you're going to just start setting small boundaries. And as you get more confident and you see that you can do this and that if you're consistent and if you communicate well using I statements, I need this. I need you to respect this. I need you to give me space. I need to take some time away. I need to start managing this relationship differently. Using the I statements is you taking responsibility for the changes you want to make and will increase, again, your confidence in yourself, knowing you can do this. And you can do this, but you probably do need support, which, whether it's professionally or through friends or other family members. Sometimes we just need someone to say, yeah, you're right. It's okay. You have a right to do this. Even if we know in our heart, it's just good to hear from others. We all need support in our lives. So again, I would just start asking yourself my first question. Do I have boundaries in my life? And if I don't, then I have some enmeshed relationships. And it's not just for me to change, but it's going to help the rest of my life, my children, I don't want to continue this.
and to understand, again, what's the line between being close to somebody and being enmeshed. That's a toughie that we need to process, that we need to really work through. That's where the thaw records can help. Um, also doing what we call the uh, double standard technique is if somebody shared with you their story of an enmeshed relationship, what would your advice be to them? Usually we have really good advice for other people before ourselves, but I always tell everybody, whatever your answer is for someone else, most likely is your answer. You know, if you'd be like, no, that wasn't okay. You should have spoke up for your partner when your mom was rude. Then that's your answer. So sometimes doing that double standard and understanding how we would support someone else is a good step for us to start going forward. And I would, you know, I would say, you know, most people probably have experienced this on some level. It doesn't even mean you're enmeshed, but you might have met somebody that tried to get enmeshed with you and you were like, oh, I don't like this. It might have been like, oh, yeah, I ended that relationship pretty quick or I wasn't OK with this. You know, it just was automatic. Like, that's not healthy. That's not how I want to be, because hopefully you didn't grow up in a relationship like that. Right. So, you know, I look back on my relationship growing up with my dad that um, I know I've shared with you guys. My parents divorced. I was eight years old. My mom moved away. My dad raised me, my brother, and my sister. And I would see my mom like once a year. But, you know, my dad was so great at really keeping that parent child relationship, um, you know, never talked poorly about my mom to me, um, you know, allowed that relationship to be what it was. My relationship with him was just typical kind of, you know, daughter-father relationship, him having boundaries with me or rules, I guess maybe I didn't like, but, you know, there was, he never shared his struggles when I was growing up after their divorce and all that he had to deal with, I wasn't aware of, which is how it should be, right? It wasn't my burden to bear. He went and got support. He went and talked to a social worker, I found out years later, and, you know, talking to friends and wanting to make sure he was going to be a good parent. And he was able to keep that boundary. And I never felt like I had to take care of his needs because of what happened with our family breaking up. It was really difficult. And so that's, that's what's healthy, right? That's what's healthy. I'm grateful for that that he was able to still be a parent to me and manage his own issues and his own stressors and get the appropriate care. So I can look back and that was a really good example for me. So I hope you have good examples in your life you can look at. And if you don't, that's again, where some help can come in, where someone can, you can learn what is a healthy relationship and what feels good. And again, there's, I can't cover everything in this podcast because I know there's just so many layers of emotions that if you're really having to step away, you know, it might take a few times before you get comfortable or it may take a few times where you set boundaries and you see that person still trying to hold on. Sometimes you need other people in your life, again, as support to say, no, that's really manipulative. That's not you helping. That's her being manipulative. That's him being manipulative. So, you know, be open to what other people say. And it can really be a life changer for you to explore who you are, create your own identity, have, have healthy boundaries and feel good about yourself and to be able to start changing those negative core beliefs that have been developed by being in this toxic enmeshed family relationship. So I hope I got you thinking. You know, as I talked, I just thought, oh, wow, I could go on for a long time with this one <laughs> because there's so many layers. But that's where you want to go seek some help, 
you know, getting the mind over mood book, uh, feeling great. All those cognitive behavioral therapy group uh, books that I recommend can be super helpful. I have so many podcasts again, just to review. I have one on boundaries. I have one on guilt. Uh, I have one on, you know, healthy uh, communication. You know, those would be some ones to maybe get started with and start thinking how to incorporate that into making changes. If you want to understand more about what are the core beliefs, I also have one on core beliefs where I share my own personal story um, and how changing that just changed my life as well as my CBT tools that I use. So there's lots of resources, you know, please as always reach out if I didn't answer something or you're confused, or you got a question, or you want some direction. Um, I've made a lot of updates on my website. I have a blog that comes out every other week now. I have resources on where to find CBT therapists in your area. Uh, if I'm not able to work with you and you reach out, um, I am able to work with you if you live in California, Washington State, Colorado and South Carolina. Those are other places that I'm licensed in, but you can always reach out. I have helped many people find other therapists in their area. So I'm here for you guys, no matter what you need, right? What was my intention in starting this podcast? I told you at the beginning is to just teach people CBT, empower you, change your lives, be happier, have more peace and have tools. So when things come up, you're going to know what to do. And that's going to just help you reach the goals that you're working for in your life. You're all super courageous. The fact you're listening to me and you give feedback and you listen and you say, I take notes and I, you know, practice and I share this with people like you're all courageous. You're all so brave and you can do whatever you choose to do and make the changes you can make. And I'm just telling I'm here to tell you that because it's just important. Don't minimize like, well, I, that's just how life is or that's just what I should have done it takes courage to make changes in your life and you all have enough courage because you're here with me and you're trying to make a difference in your life so remember make decisions based on what's best for you not how you feel again you guys know how to reach me you can find me on my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com you can find me on Instagram under my CBT podcast, under Dr. Julie Osborne on Facebook. Keep sharing your thoughts, your concerns, your questions. I love hearing from you guys. Again, please pass this along to others and uh, subscribe. Any reviews you can give me would be helpful to get the word out more. And keep taking care of yourselves. Until next time. <music>